You're listening to 1232, an audio epic produced by Rumblestump Entertainment. Chapter 2 A computer monitor's glow illuminated Flint Thatcher's tired face. It was four in the morning, and he hadn't slept in over 24 hours. He strained to read the screen. Every second turned to minutes. He reached for a cup in the cluttered workspace and brought it to his lips. Yuck, he said, spewing cold coffee all over the monitor. That's disgusting. The less-than-savory beverage was enough to break his concentration. He stood and brushed the front of his three-day-old polo shirt, as if it were not stained enough already. It was hot and sticky in Flint's tiny garage apartment. He had dark circles under his green eyes, which his thick glasses seemed to magnify, and his two-inch, too-long blonde hair stuck up in every direction. It's a big day tomorrow, Sophie, he said, unbuttoning the top of his collar. Move over. I gotta get some rest. Groggily, he shoved the fluffy white cat to the foot of the messy cot and fell face down, arms awkwardly twisted underneath him, and snored. A moment later, he fell into his favorite dream, a medieval scene with all the pageantry and bright colors of a 1950s film framed the king's words. Rise, Sir Knight! <laughs> Welcome to knighthood! <laughs> Let's party. Flynn would stand up, look the king in the eye, and turn, smiling at the large applauding crowd. The bells in the cathedral rang. Flower petals floated from above. Men, women, and children cheered him as he waved victoriously. The bells, however, grew louder and louder and louder. Flint cracked an eye open and groaned shuffling through the laundry and blankets on his bed to find his phone and turn off his obnoxious alarm. Six o'clock, Flint muttered. He stared zombie-like at the screen. The dim blue light did nothing for his complexion, casting ugly, almost ghoulish shadows across his face. He took a deep breath and opened his devotional app to read the day's meditation. I can't skip this. Flint thought aloud. Today is your breakthrough, so close the door to the past. Throw wide the door to the future. Hold your head high as you begin a new chapter in your life. It's time to pray and lay claim to the plans God has for you. Tell yourself the truth. Let your inner voice repeat. God wants good things for me. I will see it happen. Flint clicked the screen dark and considered laying back down. But then he remembered her, and he couldn't miss his chance. That thought alone shocked him awake. He sprang to the mirror and mumbled and sputtered the positive mantras written on sticky notes as he brushed his teeth and splashed water on his face. By the time he had found clean clothes and changed, he was late. Flint buckled his bike helmet, slung his bag over his shoulder, and pedaled away. Preoccupied with his thoughts, he failed to notice the angry voices of fellow pedestrians and drivers as he innocently crossed the intersection, unaware of the red light and blaring car horns. Up the street and around the block, he rode as fast as he dared, 
and parked his bike a suitable distance away from a quaint coffee trolley at the edge of a park. Summer was in full swing in Dallas, and people scattered about the park that morning doing yoga, mindful meditation, and other various urban hobbies. The hip coffee trolley, the quality cup, served artisan roasts and homemade bagels with vegan cream cheese. Trash cans were, at well-measured intervals, not a spot of litter. This was the pleasant part of town, and stashing his beat-up bike out of sight for the next few minutes was important. Couldn't risk her seeing it and realizing it was his. Today is the day everything turns around for me. God wants good things for me. These thoughts repeated as he strode to the trolley and ordered a coffee and a bagel. After paying, he nervously reached for his phone, vibrating from a text. A message from his bank read, Your account has reached below the limit of $100. Flint grimaced. He retreated to a bench underneath a red oak tree where he fitfully devoured the bagel before realizing they'd given him the wrong one. Again. He sipped the coffee with trepidation. He could barely hold on to it. The heat through the sleeve irritated his hand. Not to mention he was still recovering his breath from the swift bike ride. Gulping down the bagel hadn't helped, but the nourishment calmed his nerves. And right on time, she came. Flint didn't know her name. He knew her initials, AJ. The barista wrote them on her cup every day. He had picked up her trash a few times, and she always ended her run here by sitting on the grass over by the fountain with her earbuds in until 7.10 sharp. Her long blonde hair swished behind her as she jogged up, dressed in leggings and a sports bra, with an unzipped jacket swinging from her shoulders. The sunlight made her look like the unsuspecting love interest out of a movie. No matter what, I am talking to her today. I got this. Flint told himself. Emboldened by the meditation he read that morning, he got up and walked over to the quality cup where she stood ordering her drink. She saw him approach out of the corner of her eye. Flint had gotten this close before, but hadn't actually spoken. This time he said, Excuse me. Flint's voice interrupted the tranquil morning. The girl whipped around and looked Flint up and down. He had on white socks, pleated navy slacks, a red tie with a stain on it, and a pale green shirt. She lingered on his one untied shoe. Then her gaze climbed to the sweat ring around his head from the bike helmet. She stood there for a minute before raising an eyebrow. Um, I, uh, do you live around here? Flint said. He could have slapped himself for saying that. What am I, a creep? She just shook her head. Flint stood there, his mind racing, but his mouth closed. Well, I do. I, I sort of do. I mean, I live a few blocks from here. Flint finished awkwardly. The girl said nothing, but nodded, uninterested. With a faint grin, she stepped away to her grassy spot to stretch. Flint followed her, but got the message he wasn't welcome when an athletic-looking man jogged up to her and started a conversation. Flint just kept walking. He walked a few steps before checking the time. Shoot, I can't be late for this. He spun around and jogged back toward the bike rack. Horror struck as he realized he would have to pass right by the girl and her friend. He ducked his head and speed walked by them, filling their eyes on him, overhearing laughter. Once he had made it around the corner, he put all his strength into pedaling his bike, 
trying to drown the thought of impending breakthroughs and new chapters. Maybe the breakthrough is just around the corner. He thought as he neared the high-rise building where Sanchez and Galloway had their law offices on the fifth floor. The next hour or so would be a huge leap forward in the search for his missing father. Flint would never stop looking. Now merely desperate enough to have his father declared dead in order to get the money he hoped for. Not only did the search require significant funds, but Flint felt the growing pressure of several student loans. He didn't believe John Thatcher was really dead, not for a second. He would find his dad if it took every penny of incoming inheritance. Hey, Callie Sue here, writer and director of the show. I hope you and your family have been enjoying it. And if so, you need to sign up for the newsletter right now. Follow the link in the description to get behind-the-scenes access, bonus material, and see how you can support the next seasons. Sign up at audio-epic.com and keep wholesome and quality entertainment available to all. Thank you so much for listening. Stay courageous. 1232 is sponsored by Phil Bob Borman Art, a nationally collected skyscape artist, mastering the shape and color of western skies and towering cloudscapes, inspiring viewers to look up at the glory of God all around us. Phil Bob Borman is represented by Insight Gallery, Fredericksburg, Texas, Legacy Gallery, Scottsdale, Arizona, Caudry Gallery in Whitefish, Montana, and the Museum of Western Art. Contact for available paintings or commissions at philbobbormanfineart.com. Is your tea in the cupboard boring? Is the coffee you buy from the grocery store expensive and crappy? It's time you use our promo code 1232 for 32% off your first order of quality tea and coffee from atticustea.com. That's 1232 for 32% off your first order at atticustea.com. Chapter 3, 1232. Mr. Thatcher, she said she'd be here. Please calm down. It was the attorney's passive voice. Mr. J. Galloway sat erect in a high-backed chair, facing away from Flint, who was rolling and unrolling a brochure as he waited. He glanced at his watch and reset his glasses on his nose with a heavy sigh. It's just, we've been waiting for 30 minutes now. She ought not to keep people waiting like this. It's like she thinks the world revolves around her or something. I hate putting up with this. Ugh, same old Rona. He kept on crinkling the brochure and checked the time again. Though the dark circles still hung under his eyes, Flint looked somewhat more collected. Sleep would have done wonders for his fashion sense this morning, but at least his hair was combed. Unlike Rona... Flint had steered away from athletics and dove headlong into academics when their mother passed away in their early teens. Known as an academic prodigy, he gained a degree in medieval history by the age of 19, and the more he studied, the brighter his passion grew. Right now, he was in the middle of his master's program, studying historical science and astronomy, but it was taking much longer than it should have, because Flint's life hit the skids. Without his dad's guidance, Flint was utterly lost. He wasn't looking forward to seeing his sister, Rona, today. The trauma of loss had taken its toll on them both, separating siblings that had been so close 
Now he just wanted to forget her. Unfortunately, they both had to be here for this. He checked his watch once more and heard the door open. Ah, Miss Thatcher, please come in and have a seat. How was your trip? Mr. Galloway leaned across his desk to shake her hand, which she shook briskly and nodded. Not too comfortable. Rona slurred, smiling loosely. Well, look over there. It's boy genius. How's academic stardom these days, buddy? She staggered a bit and found a seat, catching her breath when she sat down. Calling him Buddy made Flint fume. Hello, Rona. Good to see you. He leaned over and whispered to her. What's your problem? Can't you take your sunglasses off? The lawyer frowned behind his desk and took up the will, waiting for the opportunity to speak. A closer examination answered Flint's questions. He could see bruises even under the sunglasses. As his attention shifted from himself to her, he noticed a butterfly bandage holding a cut together on her temple. I'm sorry that whatever happened to you happened to you, Rona. What'd you do, lose a pentagon or something? Flint said. Rona shook her head. Shall we proceed then with the reading of the will? Asked the lawyer. Flint and Rona both nodded, glancing sideways at one another. Mr. Galloway began reading. Rona listened as if he were in the next room, and she was in a huge, empty, echoing place, where even her own thoughts were too loud. Flint hasn't changed much. Still a skinny nerd. I bet he got here half an hour early and whined about me being late. Her thoughts trailed off. She zoned out, staring hard at the lawyer's nameplate, when she heard Flint's voice. Wait, what? Nothing? What, what about the, the car? Does he mention the refurbished vintage, um, uh, Dodge? The Coronet. Rona corrected. Yet again, put out with Flint's ignorance toward anything masculine or fast. Excuse me, Mr. Thatcher, well, while I continue. Flint ripped the brochure accidentally. It didn't sound good so far. He'd hoped for enough to pay off student loans, maybe get further in his search, but all that his dad left was peanuts. Rona's leather jacket creaked as she carefully shifted in her chair. Her ribs still hurt. Maybe the painkillers were wearing off. It seems you both were left with the total of one 1969 Dodge Coronet to do with as you please. Its estimated value runs from sixteen to $20,000. I'm sorry, Mr. Thatcher, but there seems to be no mention of any additional assets. Now, if you both will sign this, it'll put the title in your names, and I'll see to the rest of the paperwork. Flint rocked back into his chair, closing his eyes and bringing his fist to his chin. Rona clenched her jaw. She was counting on a little money, too. She sighed. <sighs> well, where are the keys? I want to take it for a spin. The tone of her voice brought immediate tension to the room. Rona, be serious. It's a show car. Let's, let's go somewhere and sell it. I'll split the cash with you, though that's not fair. Flint muttered the last part. Rona arched her left eyebrow and lifted her chin. I don't think so, buddy. She leaned toward the desk to sign the paper. You are not taking the car to drive and ruin. 
Flint got up and threw his hands in the air. You don't know how bad I need the money, Rona. You, you can't just do what you want as if the entire world revolves around you. Cool it, Flint. We'll talk about it outside. Rona put her sunglasses back on and opened the door. Thank you, Mr. Galloway. Send him the bill. She shook the lawyer's hand and stepped out. She's so arrogant. I don't know how anybody can tolerate it. Flint signed the paper and shook hands with the lawyer. He had to stop in the hall for a minute. The world was falling down on his head. That panicky feeling began throbbing in his ears. Right now, he needed someone to blame. He hurried out the glass doors, straightening his tie. Glancing around, he saw Rona watching him. He headed straight for, clenching his fists. Flint avoided confrontation at all costs, but not today, not with her. Words flew off his tongue. Let's get this over with, Rona. If you don't mind, we'll sell it now. I'd like an expert to look it over and get the value fixed so we know what's fair to ask for. Look, the way I see it, you can go ahead back to wherever you live. Let's talk about dividing the cash. It's really only fair that I get, well, most of it. I'm willing to give you 10%, and I think that's fair because you took off and everything and... Good Lord, Rona. Are you going to say anything? Nope. Rona didn't change her expression and kept looking straight ahead. She hurt all over and just wanted to lie down. Well, don't you have an opinion? Flint was talking faster and louder. Silent people made him nervous. Flint, chill out. I don't care. I'll be flying tonight to... Rona's cell phone rang. It was Kellum's watchdog, Lewis. She answered it and held her hand up to stop Flint from talking. What? No. Are you kidding? A long pause as she listened to the voice on the other end. Rona's face turned white. Yes, sir. No, sir. It won't happen again. When should I be there? Uh... She turned to look at Flint. Tomorrow. Yes, sir. The money she made off the bracelet was too much cash to keep a secret. They were waiting for her back in Las Cruces. For the explanation, she did not have. Lewis had figured out where she had gotten her money, and she could not be double-dealing somebody like Boss Kellum. Without Black Dagger's legal shield, they would lock her up. Rona slammed her phone on the ground and kicked the pieces that were closest together, sputtering curses at her bad luck and Lewis. Flint had a smirk on his face. Hmm. Well, it looks like you're in some kind of pickle. Well, if you don't mind, I'll be going. I hope you... But he broke off with a chuckle. That was a mistake. In two strides, Rona was in his face. I'm not taking any of your goody-two-shoes. Rona's face turned red. You know what you can do right now? You can shut up, buddy. She tapped him three times on the chest, trying to restrain herself. Back off! Flint shoved Rona onto the hood of a parked car. She wasn't expecting him to do that, and it hurt. Without her wind, she couldn't retaliate right away. Flint took advantage of this. He lifted his chin, straightened his glasses, and turned on his heel, marching away. More out of instinct than calculation. Rona caught him, spun him around, and gave him a one-two right in the nose. (coughs) Flint's glasses took the brunt of it, and she had forgotten about her sore hand and had to walk off whimpering. 
Clint tottered backward and flipped over the bike rack, landing on his side. You broke my nose! Flint yelled. Ow, you broke my freaking hand! Rona struggled more with the pain in her ribs at the moment, and her elbow began bleeding into her leather jacket again. I hope you know that I'm never going to speak to you again. Flynn spoke his words with as much venom as he could, while tilting his head back to slow the blood pouring out of his nose. Oh, that's too bad. Well, why don't you just leave then, genius? It's not like I'm going to wait around for an apology. Rona leaned stiffly against the wall of the building, trying to breathe, hoping Flint would not realize how weak she actually felt. Just leave. Flint spat the words out childishly, tilting his head back as far as he could. The two had never interacted as adults. Rona and Flint's bond as twins made them inseparable as children, but they had torn themselves apart in the last decade. Now, all that love had turned to loathing. I'm waiting, Rona huffed. Waiting for what? Flint's voice sounded stuffy. A ride? Rona tilted back up to her feet as she said this, slipping her shades back over her eyes. A ride? Really? Where? His eyes followed her as she walked past him. To your place. Looks like I'm staying with you tonight, buddy. Rona surprised herself by saying this. But it was her only way to a bed for the night, with her bank accounts frozen. Flint looked at her, shocked. Me? No! Get a hotel! I don't want you anywhere near me. Okay. Go home, then. That's fine. Drive off. This is the last time you'll see me anywhere near you. Why don't you just go ahead and go? Rona smiled mischievously. Flynn stood where he was in front of the bike rack, glancing at the one bike in it, and felt sheepish. What's the matter? Can't I hop in with you? Rona asked with sugary kindness. She then giggled, despite how bad it hurt. She was grinning at him from ear to ear and shaking her head slowly. Flint tried to put together a coherent comeback, but he curbed it. Maybe she'll just go away, he hoped. Whatever, Rona. I'm going inside to take care of this. I don't care what you do, just stay away from me. He held the end of his tie over his nose to stop the bleeding and went inside to wash off. Okay, if that's the way you want to play it, buddy, Rona said under her breath. A moment later, Mr. Galloway stepped out the door. Ah, Miss Thatcher, I was hoping you hadn't gone. I had the car brought here. You and your brother can make the arrangements. It's parked in the private section of the garage next door on the ground level. And here are the keys. He handed them to Rona, wryly. It's a beautiful piece. Your dad restored it himself. I'm, I'm interested in it if you really want to sell it. I can offer a competitive price in cash. Rona tilted her head. Nah. Well, if you reconsider, you know how to contact me. In the meantime, here's your title. I'm sorry I can't stay to show it to you. I've got to be in court. Have a good day. Rona took the envelope and nodded slightly, then smiled to herself. Flint is going to explode when he finds out I took his precious piggy bank for a spin. At least I won't have to explain it to him. She tossed the keys in the air and caught them greedily. Downtrodden is an understatement. I'm ruined! Flint said aloud to no one as he burst out the door and wrestled to free his bike from the rack. 
As he clicked on his dorky bike helmet, muttering as he marched ahead, failing to notice the pavement beneath changed to asphalt. We're going to take just a minute to hear from our awesome sponsors who make this show possible. Then we'll get back to the show. This episode of 1232 is sponsored in part by Oasis Family Media and its family of companies including Oasis Audio, Enclave Publishing, and Sky Turtle Press. Publishers of the forthcoming epic, Edmund Spencer's The Fairy Queen. Rendered in modern prose by Rebecca K. Reynolds and illustrated by Justin Girard. For more information, visit fairyqueen.com. That's fairyqueen.com. Or find the link in the description below. Hello, 1232 listeners. This is Callie Sue, and I'm excited to tell you about Dramafy, the ultimate platform for creators and fans of audio dramas. With oodles of genres, hundreds of shows, and thousands of episodes, Dramafy is your go-to streaming service exclusively for family-friendly audio dramas. Whether you're a devoted listener or a creator of a family-friendly masterpiece, Dramafy has something for you. And guess what, 1232 listeners? You can now enjoy 1232 on Dramafy. Just go to dramafy.com forward slash 1232. That's D-R-A-M-A-F-Y dot slash 1232 and get started for free. Happy listening. And now, back to the show. A loud roar filled the air. The smell of burning rubber overtook his senses. He recognized his surroundings just in time to retreat to the curb. His bike didn't make it, however. You idiot! Look at this bike! This is my bike! Flint stormed out to it and lifted the mangled frame. He held it up to the driver, yelling, Well, that's quite a tantrum. Next time, faint, Barrymore. It was Rona, shouting from behind the wheel of a beautiful, baby blue, 1969 Coronet convertible that had just totaled his bicycle. You! You could have killed me! You could have hurt the car! Flint fussed, his helmet still buckled in place. So shoot me. Get in. She kicked the passenger door open and revved the engine. He could not have had a worse day if he had helped the devil planet in advance. Where the car goes, I go. At least until I can get the money out of it. He told himself. He got in and slammed the door and kept a white knuckle grip on the handle all the way to his apartment. Here, Rona had a brutal reality check. Flint, whom she always assumed would have it all together, lived in a disheveled mess. He rented a one-room garage apartment in a run-down neighborhood in Dallas. Flint had always worn the mask of self-righteous piety and held his church friends in the highest regard. She resented her brother for his religious hypocrisy and his eccentric, bookish personality, and even more for how he always acted superior. But for all that, she had kept in reserve some jealousy for how he had made something of himself, she thought. Now that she saw into his life, she was disgusted and amused. But instead of gloating, she just looked on. Flint, Rona said. You have got to be kidding. What are you up to in here? The tiny apartment, or more accurately, a hallway, was so tiny that she almost had to walk sideways through the length of it, 
On one wall was the mini-fridge, counter, sink, and door to the bathroom, which was just a closet with a toilet and a shower crammed into it. The other wall was obviously designated as the bedroom. Flint's cot and folding table were strewn with papers and empty coffee cups. A large desktop took up most of the space on the table, and sticky notes and scribbled-on notebooks settled on every surface of the room. Flint's clothes were in disheveled piles here and there, as well as stuffed into the overflowing laundry bag laying across the pathway. One rotating fan fluttered the papers and trash as it blew musty summer air around the room. My other glasses are around here somewhere. He said under his breath as he charged about, rustling through piles. It never crossed Flint's mind that neglecting his master's thesis, not showing up for work, spending all his resources on the hunt for a missing person, and borrowing money he could never pay back would look like insanity to anyone else. And suddenly, with his sister gawking at the doorway, he felt at last the cruelty of revelation. Anger clawed its way to the surface and made him seethe at the sight of her. Mmm, inspiring, Rona said to herself, noticing a host of houseflies roosting on the ceiling. What's so shocking, Rona? Flint spat his words through his teeth and would not look her in the eye. He put on another pair of glasses as he spoke. This is what I do. This is my work. 24-7. And you know what? I've spent my days hunting for Dad when I should be writing and researching for my thesis. And I know where Dad was when he disappeared. He didn't disappear in Michigan. I followed his chair. Hey, don't touch that! Flint lunged at Rona and slapped her hand away from the tablet she reached for. Fine. You shut up. I'll sit down. Rona scooped the laundry off of the cot and reclined onto it. Flint's excited gibberish grinding her last nerve and her body pulsing from pain made her tired. As long as you're here, remember not to touch my stuff. Flynn was yelling at the top of his lungs and panting. Watch your blood pressure, genius. Don't worry, I won't even breathe on your stuff. (gasps) Wait, oh my, I'm touching your bed. Rona mocked a surprised expression and gasped, holding her hand over her lips. She took a deep breath and began the attempt to take off her jacket. It took several tries because of the blood from her elbow that had crusted her shirt to the inside of the jacket sleeve. The pain made her edgy. When she heard something at the door, she instinctively jerked. The fluffy white cat creeping near the threshold sprang into the air and bolted outside, knocking something over in the alley. Rona heard the commotion. You scared my cat. Flint screamed at her and dashed out the door. Muffled and far off, Flint's voice desperately called for his cat. Oh, brother. What kind of guy has a cat like that? Rona muttered to herself. She had always despised Flint for his strange, closed-mindedness. And here he was, up to his ears in debt with a pet cat and living in a mess. Judging her? A lot of things about Flint were weird always had been. She sank into the cot, reflecting on the weirdest thing of all, needing help from her brother. Right now, he was all she had in the world. She was in trouble. Black Dagger froze her money for putting them in jeopardy with the bracelet, and if she tried to blow the whistle on them, 
They would testify against her, and they would hold her to account for all her misdeeds. If she didn't return to Black Dagger, they would assume she had turned on them. Rona was in a hole. But if she climbed out, they would catch her in a trap. The only way to stay free and alive was to get back to Las Cruces. And the only way to do that was in the old car. Rona would never stoop to ask for help from her brother. But then she did not see any other way out. She couldn't get around him, however. All she needed was the car. Flint was both the problem and the solution. If I hadn't had to fly up here and do this stupid will, this never would have happened. Flint just had to do it now so he could continue this obsessed manhunt for a dead... a dead... Rona's thoughts broke down into lethargy. She felt helpless, despite herself. Sometimes, like now, Rona imagined groping in the dark for freedom from her circumstances. She imagined feeling around for something solid, something to shelter her. Then, as she always did, she wiped the stinging tears away and clenched her jaw. If there was no hope, she had no choice but to live for the moment. Outside, Flint had finally cooled off after pacing around the block a couple of times. He remembered how heartless she had been after their mother passed away and how relentless she was in blaming their dad for it. Back then, Flint would stand up to Rona. He declared war on her, even if their dad was just going to let her alone. John Thatcher had called it loving her, but Flint called it cowardice. Reality hit home through the angry fog. If Rona didn't want to give up the car and sell it, he couldn't continue searching for their father because he would have no money at all. Flint was convinced that his dad was alive. He had to find him, and by a cruel twist of fate, he now needed Rona to help him to do it. Or did he? Flint looked inside his room and saw Rona passed out on his bed. It was only 9.30 p.m. The idea came suddenly. He could see she had taken her jacket off and had laid it on the chair. He tried both pockets of the jacket. Nothing. Flint was getting hot now, and his heart was pumping fast. He studied Rona, sleeping off her fatigue. Delighted to see a key peeking out from the top of her front jean pocket. Flint held his breath as he reached for the key and tugged on it. A grin slipped across his face as he barely cleared the pocket. But Rona's next move wiped it off. Her heavy right hand hit him square in the nose again. Flint reeled back and Rona kicked him hard between the legs. He dropped to his knees with the breath knocked out of him. That's it, buddy. Rona, disoriented, picked up the keys in her jacket and stomped out. Flint heard the car door slam and the ignition cackle like a hyena. Far away, he heard Rona curse and slam the steering wheel. Paralyzed for only a moment, Flint grabbed a towel from the laundry and held it to his face, tottering out the door and trying not to get hysterical when he heard the engine roar to life. Hey, no, no you don't, that's mine, hey! Flint broke into a run as the car rolled out the driveway. Stop! Stop, you! But there was not enough time to invent an insult. Flint flew at the car and jumped, 
landing upside down in the passenger seat. What are you doing? Turn around. Flint forced out as he fought to gain an upright position. Rona only drove on into the dark. I said turn around. Flint screamed in her ear. Rona stomped the accelerator, throwing Flint's head back against the seat. They flew through a stoplight. I said turn around. Rona turned to look him in the eye. Her voice, calm and flat. Never try to steal from me again. And take that stupid thing off. Flint was suddenly aware that he still had his bicycle helmet buckled onto his head. Where are you going? To the airport? Hey, th that was the exit. Slow down. West, Rona. Flint scrambled for his seatbelt while the night wind rolled over them. Rona didn't respond except to reach over and turn on the radio. They drove west for the rest of the night, racing the sunrise. You've been listening to episode three of 1232, produced by Rumble Stump Entertainment. Written by Callie Sue and Cheyenne Bell. Narrated by Callie Sue. Today's voice talents include Corey Keller as Flint Thatcher, Robin Cage as Rona Thatcher, and Eric Basil as Mr. Galloway. Episode 3 was mixed and engineered by Jet Black, with original music composed by Callie Sue and Jet Black with Rumpelstump Entertainment. Edited by Casey Caballero, Caballero Sounds. Mastered by Zach Bryant with Nine Moon Mastering. This episode was made possible by our generous and incredible backers through Kickstarter. You know who you are. To our knights, our bards, our Welsh bowmen, our wizards, and our chieftains, thank you. Continue the adventure in episode four. <laughs>